This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here. I am recording this audio from Mark Seymour's house. You may remember I interviewed Mark oh, a long time ago. He's a Nikon shooter, an ambassador in fact. He's an amazingly talented wedding photographer. He shared some great stuff in that Photo BizX interview about how he books his weddings, how he takes his clients through their meetings, and how he's able to book the top-end clients that he does. He's also running street photography workshops in India regularly. Uh, I've been able to look through some of those photos, just amazing. And the reason I'm here visiting Mark is he's put together a dinner party. Well, it was last night, so I was planning to record something during the dinner party, but it was just too difficult. There was uh, too much chatter, too much talk, everyone having too much of a good time to, to stop, interrupt, and actually record. So... This is a little bit of a look back at last night, why it happened, who was there, and I guess what it would mean to me as a photographer if I lived in this area, how it's going to affect us in uh, future interviews going forward. But before that, and before I bring Mark on, I just wanted to share my first thoughts from when I walked into his house yesterday, because I mean, it's a house in a simple cul-de-sac, in a residential area, a nice part of town, and uh, there's nothing to say that he's a photographer out the front. But walk in the front door, and I'm confronted by black and white prints. As soon as I walk in, and I look up to the stairs, up the staircase, and there's a, there's a collection of these amazing black and white prints. Um, some that I recognise, some that I don't. Uh, all beautifully framed in black frames, matted. And it's obvious to see that Mark not only is a photographer, but he's a collector of photography. I, I mean, I don't, I don't recognise some of these names, but the, the images are just just fantastic. I, I might get Mark to take us through these in just a second. And then... He can give us a little bit more detail about the photographers, why he's collecting the, the kind of prints that he is. Uh, upstairs, where I'm staying, as I walk to my bedroom, you can't help but notice this massive bookshelf of books, all photography-related. There's, He's run out of space here. This thing is taller than me, which isn't difficult, <laughs> but there's there must be hundreds of books on photography here. I mean, this... This is a man that loves, lives and breathes photography. Uh, also upstairs is Mark's workroom. Again, I'm going to get him to take us through this, but uh, yeah, this is a guy that you can see is in business and, and a working photographer. Well, let, let's go and get Mark and he can take us through the house and give us a little bit more detail about why he's doing what he's doing, why collect the photographs that he is, and uh, a little bit about last night. Mark, welcome. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> it feels funny saying welcome to you in your house. Yeah. Uh, last night, it was amazing. How did it even come about? Well, last night's dinner party was uh, put on in uh, your honour, really, um, because uh, we've done it before. And uh, it's something that I thought was a really good idea to, to get photographers and suppliers together around a dinner table and I'm fortunate that I've got a girlfriend called Karen that uh, is uh, an amazing uh, cook uh, it's her passion as much as mine is uh, photography uh, so Karen hosted the evening uh, or cooked the evening and uh, I say I hosted the evening but uh, um, it really just come about uh, it was a seed that I thought about um, and it's something that uh, we're looking to sort of continue in the future, you know, bringing in you know, different photographers and, and different suppliers and, and just sitting around a table for four or five hours with uh, good food, good wine, good company 
and talking about our industry and building relationships because uh, I'm a big believer in that uh, you know you need to build relationships in this industry yeah well one of the things that I noticed was first of all how freely the conversation was happening but I love the fact that it wasn't just photography related I mean you, you had well, who else did you have here apart from photographers? Um, we had a big mix, and uh, one of the things you know, I didn't want just photographers around the table because we end up talking about you know prints or weddings uh, because mainly it's wedding photographers. So uh, we had a couple of uh, high-end wedding photographers, uh, Paul Rogers, uh, Alexis, um, and uh, David Bostock, um, and then uh, to back that up, we had Jeremy. Uh, from Graphy Studio, uh, Jeremy heads up uh, uh, Graphy in, in the UK. So there's an album supplier. Yep, uh, and then we had Mark Cleghorn who runs the Photography Academy, and uh, they are probably the biggest training company in, in the UK. Uh, they've got a, a mail list of over, uh, or subscriber list, I should say, of over uh, twenty thousand. Wow. Um, and then we had uh, um, a wedding high-end wedding planner and. Uh, Someone actually said to me before, are you sure you want to sort of expose us to your, to your best contacts? And uh, you know what? It's, uh, I've been recommended by Clifton for 25 years and I've got a great relationship and I'm not afraid of that relationship. And, um, you know, I think it strengthened my relationship with Lydia even more last night. And um, so we had uh, Lydia from uh, Clifton House. So, so just with Clifton House, my understanding is the couples that are booking that venue for their wedding you know, are spending upwards of £90,000. Yeah, Clifton's a pretty exclusive venue. It's one of the top uh, venues in the UK, certainly. Um, it's the, the venue um, that uh, Meghan uh, left to get married to, to Prince Harry early this year. It's steep in history. There's a lot of scandal around it with the Profumo affair. Um, it was owned by the Astor family, an American uh, family, um, and it's just steeped in history. But it's uh, yeah, it's expensive. It's it's I think forty five thousand pounds to say hello there. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's there are people out there who want to spend that sort of money, um, and uh, you know we've seen some pretty amazing events there. Um, wow. In fact, we did one last year where. Um, the guy had Cindy Lauper as the warm-up act and then Rod Stewart as, as the main act. And, <laughs> Incredible. Um, it was just, uh, and this was just for 60 people, uh, and it was just amazing to be that close to those superstars. Um, and yet everyone was uh, down to earth and it was a lovely, lovely event. Oh, you mean at the actual wedding, this particular wedding? Yeah. Yeah, right. It uh, wasn't a wedding, actually. It was, um, it was a 60th birthday party. Um, and... Uh, those those guys ordered, I think, thirty five uh, full size wedding albums. Uh, they won <laughs> for every client, so it, it was also a good client for myself. Um, also around the table, we we had uh, Joe from Weddingly. Uh, Weddingly are a, um, a wedding blog site um, and training site. So you know they train not just people wedding photographers, but they also train people in related industries like florists. Uh, so you may want to be a florist and, and they'll bring in high-end florist to teach you or to show you how to become a high-end wedding florist. And it's the same with every sort of facet of the wedding industry that they sort of manage. Um, and then also around the table, we had... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting here. Um, we had Andy Ad Mack? Andy Mack. Should we do a little <laughs> cut there? <can> we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had Andy Mack. Andy's... Um, 
been on three of my courses, uh, photography courses, uh, to India uh, that I run with Nikon UK. Um, and he's become a personal friend as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that there's that link there, um, both in business and, and uh, in friendship. And then we had um, Alexis as a wedding photographer. Uh, Alexis is a local guy. Um, again, a very good friend. I'm on a Facebook forum with him, a private one with just 12 other photographers. So, uh, again, it's about building great relationships with other photographers. Um, and then we had another photographer called David Bostock. A local photographer to me um, and I'm in a recommend group with him so uh, David um, recommends weddings to me when uh, he's booked and I recommend weddings to him when I'm booked uh, right. and uh, that was that was kind of it that was the the, the, the table and it was yeah and like I said earlier that the conversation was flowing freely it wasn't necessarily just photography related I guess it circled a little bit around that with so many photographers but uh, people were sharing and, and talking and recommending and offering things it was, it was really it was fantastic and one of the things that, that really struck me was that you and you just mentioned too you have these little groups that you refer each other and there was a couple of separate groups amongst the photographers that were there last night how, how are those groups, how have they impacted your business? Uh, massively. Um, you know, I'm quite old school, really. I'm a big believer in building relationships. Um, and very, very little of my work comes from Google searches in pro- probably sort of one or two events a year. And it all comes from word of mouth or from the relationships that I've built, whether that be recommend groups um, you know, dealing with uh, you know wedding bloggers and, and being high on their sort of uh, profile list and, and doing articles with them, and also doing training with them. So with Weddingly, for example, I, I work as a training photographer, so I go in and do seminars for them uh, that they manage. Um, so it works on many levels and then obviously we had the girl from Clifton there um, who I've built a relationship up with. Um, and although uh, Lydia's been with us, uh, uh, or Clifton about four years my relationship with Clifton is over 25 years uh, because I build a relationship with everyone in the industry so it's really important not just to build the relationship with the the wedding coordinator you know you need to be introduced to her boss and the people that report to her and the general manager of the hotel and the concierge and just the, the, you know just everyone in the hotel because when you walk in, they say hello to you, so you're almost you almost become part of the furniture. Yeah. Uh, so I guess in saying that, if if Lydia happened to move on or she got poached by another high end wedding venue, for example, uh, you, you you're not going to necessarily lose your bookings there because you are part of the furniture in that place. Absolutely, and that's happened. I mean, I, I think there's probably been sort of six or seven, and maybe even more wedding coordinators over that period, and, and it's just moved seamlessly along. And also because it's a double whammy, because if she should move to another high-end venue, a bit like Joe from Weddingly, Joe worked at a big high-end venue before. So immediately when she comes to Weddingly, she said, I want you as a trainer, because she knew me and there was a relationship built there. So um, it, it just pays. But I, I, I was told something from a, a marketeer a, a long time ago, and he said, you know, you should give as much as you can until it hurts you and uh, you know I've, I've had this philosophy that work with a small number of suppliers but look after them and treat them well and do things for them so you know if Clifton for example want 
room shots or they might have uh, a corporate event or they may have um, you know just they want some headshots of, of staff I'll go and do that and I won't charge them for it because they're only up the road mm-hmm. but they give back to me as well so they've given me you know dinners there um, events there you know champagne uh, trips on uh, you know steamboats as, as an exclusive thing for, for, for myself and partner plus the recommendations plus the recommendations and uh, you know the, the recommendations you know it, it just pay for themselves but you you can't do it to lots of suppliers you need to be choosy who you want to work with but then look after each other and work with them uh, and work with them on many different levels right one of the things so so Lydia you know she's only been there for a little while and you've been you know working at that venue for over 25 years how did you manage to get in there in the first place well that was luck um and I'm a big believer in you know where there's a door you know go through it because you don't know what's going to happen when you when you go through a door there, there may be something good happens in your life or there may be something not so good and if it's not so good you just come back out and you go through the next one and you just keep moving forward and meeting new people and building relationships um, but you know some sort of 25 years ago um, I, I actually photographed a wedding at Cliveden um, not from a recommendation just just from a bride that contacted me because she liked my work and I took the work to, to show the win, then winning coordinator, a guy called Michael Shaliner, who happens still to be at Cliveden. He's now really, uh, he's way up the management chain at Cliveden. So, right. you know, there's that relationship that's been there. I think it's actually 28 years. Wow. Um, so that's not going to get broken. And no. We've got a relationship where we can kind of banter and talk as, as friends and mates. And, you know, we've drunk together and we've eaten together in the local pubs, etc. Um, but Michael actually pushed me aside at that point and said you know we've got our local photographers we use you know just thanks but no thanks um and about six how did you feel then like was that it's just you know that's the way it's the way the cookie crumbles you know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get everyone that you want to work with Uh, but i really wanted to work with clifton because they're so local to me and you know they're such an important venue um, but also Clifton was quite a tired place then they never did the amount of weddings that they do now they only did about 10 or 15 weddings a year but it was a prestigious venue still um, so you, it, get, you get pushed aside you're going about your normal yeah. job and uh, I got asked to do a, a talk at uh, Windsor Camera Club um, and uh, I still do talks these days to a lot of camera clubs because you'd be surprised how many people go to camera clubs um, anyway, I was doing a talk at uh, Windsor Camera Club, and uh, one of the images I showed was one of a bride at Clifton. And uh, a hand popped up in the audience and said, "Oh, I work there." <laughs> and this guy was a concierge there at, at the point, so he had no influence um, to, to give me wedding bookings. And we just had a, a chat later, and a you know, a, over a beer, a glass of wine, or whatever, uh, after the seminar. And um, I told him the story, you know, that I'd met Michael and showed him my work. And he said, give me a call in the morning. He says, I'll, I'll reintroduce you to Michael. And he says, I'll, I'll try and, you know, I'll make sure that, you know, you get you get a good meeting with him. And sure enough, it did. You know, I called him the next day. I had a meeting with Michael that later that week and made a sample album for that particular wedding. And the rest is history. Wow. So that was it. That was that was, that was the beginning of that relationship yeah. 28 years ago. 28 years ago. 
So uh, and just quickly with the the sample. So you created a sample album from the wedding that you photographed there, and you left that with the venue so they could show prospective mm. and future brides. Yeah. And did that generate them more bookings? Did you go straight onto their recommended list? I, I actually went on. They had two recommended lists at that point <laughs> uh, because Clifton do uh, what they call house weddings, where you have to hire the place exclusively. Um, and then they do what they call smaller weddings where you can just hire a room or two so it might be 10 people mm-hmm. or up to 40 people um, Michael put me on the list for 40 up to 40 people so I started doing so this is like an apprenticeship a test almost, run yeah <laughs> and, and I probably stayed on that for two or three years right um, but you know <laughs> It, it was good. They're still beautiful weddings. I mean, they're still. Course. I think it's seven thousand pounds to to hire the venue or the room. Right. So, so we're talking you, fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. So it's still <laughs> pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in fact, sometimes the weddings are, um, you know, that they're, they're nicer, you know, because they're so small and intimate. Um, we did a wedding for a couple of guys there recently, and uh, with a TV company along Channel Four in the UK, and uh, just twenty five guests. Um, but it was so intimate um, and, and you know, it just lets you get closer to that, that couple and all the guests as well at the, at the wedding. For sure. Now, just before we do a walkthrough, because I want to hear a little bit more about these prints that I've seen on the walls in your collection of books. When we sat down yesterday when I turned up, we, you know, we were sitting in your office, we we're looking through some photos and you said that you told me about your son recently being married mm. and you photographed it and you're a part of it and your second shooter did the rest. And you showed me your favourite photo of the day, which really surprised me. Mm. What was it? It surprised me as well because uh, um, my best friend and, and second photographer, a guy called Frank Big, um, photographed most of the wedding. And he's done an absolutely superb job. And yeah, it's very similar t- t- to my style because he's been shooting with me for uh, over 10 years. Um, so he was a natural fit to, to do the wedding photography because he knew my friends and my family and he knew the couple from a, from a long time anyway. Um, so we've got all these beautiful images and uh, we've made a fantastic slideshow for the day. And there's some truly fantastic photographer shots in there. You know, there's, there's like, you know, one uh, very early on of the bride getting ready and, and there's a mirror on the wall and there's a double reflection of her. Um, so in fact, it's not just two people in the image, there's four people and, and it's just caught at that you know perfect the decisive moment and it's superb and as a photographer i'd be going wow that's just like amazing and that's the one i'd be putting on my facebook page i said that i said that wow that is an amazing shot straight away and and yet when i got all the pictures um the one i put on my facebook page and the one i'm going to get printed is of a group and I feel a little little bit hypocritical because there's me on one sort of hand saying to brides you know you don't want to have many groups because you want to get all those lovely moments that occur naturally. But hang on, so th- this group shot, this isn't a uh, like a, a, a technical layered street type group shot, is it? No, it's just a real standard group that any photographer would take at any wedding. It's the the bread and butter of of wedding photography in days gone by. Um, but it's it's so special because it's a group of my family and it's my mum um it's my three sons uh his new wife just got married to um my other son uh johnny who's getting married later on in, in the year 
and and my youngest son and, and myself and you know that's my real close family and I don't have that picture anywhere and straight away it's become you know my favorite picture and also um funny enough it's also become the picture with the most likes and the most comments on Facebook as well <laughs> So Have funny. I been told something I'm asking myself? <laughs> from, from a candid photographer, <laughs> from, from a documentary photographer. So the, and this shot, this is posed. This is the bride and groom in the middle with the family set up either side. Mm-hmm. This is a standard Absolutely. family snapshot. It's a beautifully posed picture. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, Andrew, you can show it to people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a posed picture. So but why, it's why, is, why is this one the favourite? Because you... Although I'm a wedding photographer, um, I was a guest and this is my family. So I'm not looking at it as a photographer. I'm looking at it as this is my family. And this is, I was a guest there, um, albeit the father of the, of the groom. But um, it's important because it's my family and it's my, the history of my family. It's my kids and my mum and, you know, Johnny's girlfriend and James's new wife all in one picture and you know to get that um, as a documentary picture would be near impossible because you know with with over 100 people there the chances of us all being in one location at one time would be it just wouldn't happen not saying we didn't get we've got lots of lovely pictures of all of them in different places yeah but together that's the picture how will that change your photography going forward <laughs> if, if at all um, I, I'm kind of milling this over in my mind because you know at the moment I try and restrict brides to, to the number of groups they take and I say you know try and keep it to four to six groups and you know, there are brides that come to me with extra and, and we always do it we would never say no you can't have that because after all you know I'm, I'm the photographer and I'm the person they're engaging with and they're paying to do a job at their wedding um, but you know, I'm, I'm still going to have you know try to get brides to say, look, focus on the important groups. Don't have the the groups that you don't want or are unnecessary because you feel you ought to have, so that no no one feels left out. But you know, most couples have family groups anyway at weddings, and it's just something you know I can talk to as an experience when I'm sitting down with prospective new brides of how important those few groups are and that you get the people that are really close to you the, you know, the family your, 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 your mums your dads your, your, your nan your granddad your, your brothers and sisters in, in a, some sort of group shot together because the chances are you know things happen and things move on and um, you know you aren't going to get or it's very unlikely you're going to get that group of people together or if you do, it's still a snapshot in time at that particular time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one area of the day that I hear a lot of photographers saying they, they don't like, they want to just get through. Uh, I imagine you'll take your time. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't, but maybe a little bit more and appreciate those shots, maybe a yeah. little more. I mean, I, I, I get the groups. I think they're like a necessary evil, I almost call them, you know, that, that you've got to do them. But when you're doing them, everyone's moaning and doesn't want to do them because it's like I'm standing at the spot I really want to be drinking with my friends and family so we do them very quickly um, and I, I really find it's an advantage having a, 
um, an assistant um, and I say assistant rather than second shooter because although Frank second shoots for me he's also my assistant um, and when we're doing the groups we do them really really quickly so um, normally I'm photographing a group and Frank's getting the next group ready mm-hmm. so we get all the people together um, that we're going to want in all of the groups and almost like put them in a pen to the, you know, to say we go to this area say right let's all go to this area so we haven't got to go hunting for people Yes. and then while I'm photographing um, bride and groom with mum and dad Frank has got brothers and sisters like right behind me Ready to so, go. so they just come in straight away, and it really—I mean, we we say to brides, you know, two to three minutes per group, but in reality, it's probably half that time. Yeah, right. Um, because it's about management and having the people there ready, um, and then, but still taking a bit of care when you're putting the group together. You know, turning people in, making sure a little bit of cuff is showing, making sure of you know weights on the back foot and the foot towards the camera, all that sort of stuff. So people think you, you know, they they think you or they see you care about how you're constructing the group, and that gets you some really good, you know, uh, feedback at the wedding. You know, oh, you're an amazing photographer, even though they're not seeing any of the images. <laughs> but because you've given them that personal attention and care, uh, they're buying into you. Yeah, and that's that's the, usually the parents or the grandparents and absolutely those sort of people. Absolutely. Let's um, let's have a quick walk through the house. Yeah, because of um, why don't we start? in the room what do you call this room where where the dinner was last night uh, is this the the atrium or it, the well it's a conservatory conservatory yeah. right uh, built on the back of the house uh, it's half conservatory half room um, i call it my man cave um <laughs> because uh although it's laid out for for dinner at the moment and uh, we, had, we had 10 fantastic people around last night but uh, normally it's got a sofa in here and a, and a wing back armchair and um I sit and listen to my hi-fi in here. Um, I'm a big music fan, particularly sort of jazz music. I've got a lot of uh, vinyl, um, and I've, I've really sort of old school with my hi-fi. It's all valve, valve system, <laughs> so I've got a valve. I, I can hear the other passion coming through yeah, now. <laughs> valve CD player. And um, another story for another time, but it all got built around some speakers that my dad made. Oh, wow. and, oh these and, white ones at the back of the room. These speakers, yeah. My dad made them um, back in the sort of 70s. And uh, when he passed away, I was... Mum said, do you want these? And I said, well, yeah. And so I built up a whole valve system uh, and uh, analogue system, kind of what he dreamed of. Um, but I was always into hi-fi as well. But, did did uh, he ever get to hear it? No, he never did. Um, yeah. But it was really interesting because the speakers um, were... Um, he built them from scraps because mum and dad didn't have a lot of money so he sort of just sort of hashed them all together um, and got bits from begged, stilled, borrowed bits from from wherever he could uh, get it but um, when I had the speakers one of the the bottom, the bass speaker was damaged because it was just old and the paper had uh, disintegrated and I took it to a a guy that handmade speakers and uh, he took them apart and he just said, who built them? And I said, oh, my dad. And I told him the story and he just said, he knew what he was doing. He says, he says they're really well made. Wow. He said, you know, they're, um, he said, they're serious speakers. That's nice uh, to hear. And he basically, they're BBC reference speakers, all the, the cones and BBC reference speakers. So again, he knew what he was doing. But inside, for example, 
where there's all that muffling, I open it out the back and there was a couple of old jumpers in there. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So, you know. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, Man Cave. And in here's a couple of prints of my own um, so, from India. So there's actually, there's almost, there's two, two large prints. And then I won't say they're competing. The black and white one is larger, but the, the Indian photo is... Uh, <coughs> is in the light. I mean, that, that's the one that grabs your attention when you walk into the room. It's, it's, and what I love about it is the colour, I mean, and which is what you get from India. I, I mentioned earlier that you run workshops in India, um, street photography workshops. Is that when this was shot, in one of those, during one of those workshops? It, it was. Um, it was taken um, about four years ago in Kolkata, down um, behind the flower market, one of the ghats, and it's a little tiny temple. And um, I was with two other photographers, and uh, that was taken on a, on a 28 millimetre lens. Um, and I couldn't get back any further because the streets were so narrow or the path was so, so narrow. Um, but what what makes it is, you know, you've got three Indian guys, all their heads are in different spaces. But the main guy at the front um, is beautifully lit and uh, he's actually reading a newspaper which kind of acts, adds a, acts as a reflector, pushing light back into his face. And he looked at me and acknowledged me and I just acknowledged him back. And I stood there for about sort of five minutes or so, just taking one or two pictures, just looking for a moment when, you know, all the heads were in the right spaces and, you know, I could see all the sort of the, the noses and so we, we didn't see any backs of anyone. No, and this is about a 20 by 30? It's, yeah, 20 by 30, I'd say, yeah. yeah. And a nice, nice white mm. mat, a beautiful black frame. Yeah, it takes pride of play. Thank what, you. What do you feel when you see it, when you look at it? It's... it's it's my one of my favourite pictures I've ever taken of India. Nice. I think, uh, and what's kind of nice, you know, I go back there every year, um, doing workshops, and I went back uh, last year. And I kind of smiled to myself because no one can take that picture now because uh, they've actually put sort of security wire around it. So <laughs> it, it, where the guy is sitting at the front reading the paper, you can't sit there now. Wow. So no one can it. copy it because people say <laughs> I show them like this is where we took this to give them an example. Uh, when we're going through the the, the course uh, the beginning and uh, um, you know the couple went back there and tried to you know because they thought oh we'll go back and get a good picture there which is you know not a problem um, but it was uh, I had a, a, a little chuckle to myself for saying you know well, it can't be done over can't be recreated <laughs> and at the back of the room there's a a bit more of a moody black and white uh, looks like wine barrels um, looking down through a corridor th- must be through a winery or a brewery. And there's a, a cloaked, I don't think it's a figure, is it a shadow or, or is it a painting on the wall with a hat, like a Zorro type figure? It is, uh, and I'm trying to think of the, it's, it's actually in Portugal, um, which is uh, you know, very famous for producing port. And this is in the um, Sandyman port um, distillery. And uh, this is a character walking. Um, so it's a real person? Yeah. So this is their logo. If you buy ever buy a bottle of Sandyman uh, Port, they've got a logo on there that is a cloaked man looking like Zorro. And so that you know, we went there as tourists um, with three other photographers. Um, so I used to go away four or five, once or twice a year with a group of photographers to do street photography. Um, and we went to Old Town Portugal, and we decided to go to this this uh, uh, distillery. Um, this is quite an old picture. This was taken on a, a Leica M8, which is a crop frame picture. Um, so only like a, 
eight megapixel camera. Wow, I, I heard that was a bit of a pig of a camera. It was it? a horrible camera. Yeah, <laughs> it was a horrible camera to use. Um, so hang on. So was was this a real figure, a real person, just walking around? Yeah. Well, in that outfit. Yeah. Right, so in the photo for, for you, the listeners, I mean, it's really but, uh, more like a shadow. I, you know, I, I sort of I, I saw him walking around, and I, and I I framed the shot to get all the barrels in, but I wanted to have, you know, it could be anywhere. So, but this now says it's Sandy Man because that's their um, for like their logo and what they're the, the image they're known for. So I needed him to be in a space with his head in his own space in some light that's magic so I just wait, waited there until it happened that's magic um, I, mean, cause it, I mean it's a strong image without it but it's it's fantastic you need that man there too it yeah, makes it absolutely makes it. let's go to the front let's, let's you talk me through uh, through your collection and, and how this got started oh the, oh, the kitchen yeah the, <laughs> okay so there's a painting it looks like a painting right but there's a beautiful photo and there's yeah. is it a castle it's, it's a landscape picture which is um it's probably my only landscape picture in, in the house. Yes. Um, but it's by a good friend called John Swanell. And John Swanell is a really well-known photographer for doing nudes. And he's got um, a landscape. He's got, but he, went, he, he did a set of landscapes on, on a Linhoff camera. And uh, I do a lot of work for John. I do a lot. I do a bit of work for John. I put sort of shows together for him. And uh, rather than him paying me, he gives me one of his prints each time. Nice. So he's given me a piece of paper, um, <laughs> and so it's a good deal for him. And I'm getting one of his images that sell for a lot of money in a gallery. Um, so do you, do you pick the image, or does yeah. he present it to you? No, I pick the image. You pick it. He gives me a choice, and yeah. Right. Um, so, so what was you? Because I mean, this goes against anything else you have in your house. Yeah. And when it's colour, it's a landscape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just you know he had an exhibition of his landscape work up right. in London in a, in a gallery in London so I helped put the exhibition together for him so he said would you like one so I didn't have a chance to pick one of his black and white nudes right okay I only had an option to pick one of the colour ones yeah uh, but it works in the kitchen absolutely it's beautiful um, so yeah beautiful <laughs> alright so we're just walking towards the, the front door and, and when you when I come in through the front door I mean immediately on my left there's a mirror but then there's it looks like a family photo and a, a couple in very cold water <laughs> it looks to be cold by the expressions on their face mm. are these yours? yeah these are both my pictures um, this is going back to you know almost group it's a group picture it's your three uh, boys my three boys right. um, and this was taken about seven or eight years ago um, we had a you know an afternoon tea and I said yeah can I just do your picture boys because often you know uh, I'm separated so my boys don't live with me but they all come round individually but collectively not very often so this was a great opportunity and do they do they do they moan and, and no dad not another photo or they just say yes no they're just pretty they, they know I'm quick so they know <laughs> you know I'm just going to go bang and it's done so they pretty much yeah it's fine and you've got this great shot on the wall yeah. now I love it I love the expression because they're not just they're not cheesy smiles no. uh, I mean your middle son there he's got a smile the other two one looks cheeky <laughs> and the other guy looks That's a bit Alex more serious left, yeah. Right. Yeah. and your other son looks a bit more serious like and this is mum and dad oh is it really yeah, in, in the water mom. yeah right um, and this was um, taken uh, uh, this is the first time mum and dad have gone abroad ever um, 
so uh, they're both in their sort of um, late 60s um, so both both all dad's retired and this is in um, somewhere in Spain I forget where it is but uh, mum has never been in the water in the sea even before wow and uh, she was going in there very gingerly and um, she's of an old school so she always dresses very modestly and you see even though she's got a costume on she's got a, a wrap around <laughs> even though she's in, in the sea up to her waist um, and this was shot on a Nikon D1 so kind of that dates yeah that's, dates, that was uh, my first yeah. uh, my first Nikon digital camera it was $11,300 I was saying yeah. yesterday to someone mm. and it was like one one or two megapixels yeah. or something yeah. yeah it was crazy um, but you know it's still a it's still a nice little image absolutely um, I wish I'd gone a, a, a bit sort of uh, lower just to, so this line kind of bugs me but it's the horizon the, line yeah but you know it's no biggie it's, no, it's about no. this expression on their face and i saw this huge wave coming behind them and and i just said oh i said hang on a second and i just moved uh, turned my back on them as if i was getting my camera ready because i, I could see it two or three bits away and i didn't want to take their picture and then they say oh you've taken one and walk off but I decided wanted this I knew this wave was coming I didn't know the expression I was going to get but you know that expression when cold water hits your body you know you gasp especially a certain area of a male's body yeah <laughs> and this is what's happened here and this has hit them and they've both gone oh <gasps> That's so and, good. And the mouths are in, you know, they're, they're synchronized almost, aren't they? It's like the, the shape of the mouth is what makes it. And yeah, and because when I showed it to mum, she goes, oh, she goes, that's not a very nice picture of me. <laughs> Can't I want to be smiling? <laughs> but now she loves it. Yeah. Because, and you know, everyone who comes around comments on it. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, just a lovely picture of mum and dad. And I imagine these two photos together, these two pictures on the wall, would mean as much to you as the collection on the other side. Yep. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the collection? We don't have to need to go through every single Yeah. It's beautiful. Let's maybe pick out a couple of your favourites and, uh, and and why you even have these photos. Because it's not your work on this wall, is it? No, it's, uh, none of it's my work. Um, well, actually, there's, there's one picture that is my work on, on the wall. Um, and it's the only one I felt that... I could put up on this wall that would go with all these amazing pictures and um, I was at a wedding a few years ago and one of the guests was the famous shoe designer Jimmy Choo and uh, he'd made as a gift the, the, the shoes for the bride because he was a friend and you know why wouldn't you do that sure and she said to me afterwards she goes can you do a picture of Jimmy giving me the shoes and of him like pretending to work on the shoes in his workshop and um, it's, it's quite strange because I learnt a lot about Jimmy Choo at this time so I went to the shop in London and it's called Jimmy Choo Couture because he doesn't own his name anymore Jimmy Choo it's been bought out by a big group right sold it I think for 10 million but regrets every minute of it because he's now one of the biggest brands in the world and it's probably worth mm. multiple times more than that um, but well, I sat him in the, in the shop window. Um, we did all the, the normal bits for what the bride wanted. And I said, you know, do you mind if I take your portrait, sir? And uh, that, that's what come for it. And that now sits in the National Portrait Gallery in London. So it's a beautifully lit portrait, probably from waist up. And he's holding, is it, is it the bride's or the bridesmaid's shoe? Yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's beautiful. And it's actually, um, this print has been used 
in so many places because he's quite a private man and there's not many portraits in fact that you know even though how famous he was and the national portrait gallery had no prints of him or not one photograph of him so yours is there now now it's mine is the only one yeah wow what else have you got up here so this all started um probably about 15 years 18 years ago this collection and um i met this uh, i met this girlfriend and uh uh, you know, was, she she was asking what I do, and you know, I explained that I'm a documentary photographer, and you know, I love Cartier Bresson, and it's all about this side. And I showed him the book I had on Cartier Bresson, and you know, after a couple of years um, with uh, Alison, um, she said to me, she goes, for God's sake, she goes, why don't you just buy the print? <laughs> and um, so, so I contacted a dealer in America um, that, that dealt in Cartier Bresson and uh, bought bought the print. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so, so. This is an original. Yeah, so it's it's positioned. Um, so you know, when I come out of my bedroom in the morning and I walk through the hallway, um, and then you look into a gallery and it's like the first picture you see really, and it's prominent position there. And it's called Simeon Le Rotund, Um and it really is about it's everything I try and talk about and, and do in photography. You know, it's, it's, um, he's been, it's, it's caught a decisive moment, but there's four couples, um, or four sets of two people or three sets of two people and, and two dogs. And they're all in unison with each other. And it really is, you know, you can see the faces of everyone, you can see the nose of everyone. You can see the interaction between each set of people. Um, and any one individual element in there, the photograph wouldn't work, but it's because you've got this here, you've got this here, this here, this here, and it works. It takes you into the into Yeah, the you're, you're looking around it all the time. Yeah, It's one of his, his, his um, lesser well-known uh, photographs, but it's my favourite uh, Cartier-Bresson image. And then the rest, uh, the rest of the images have, have come... Um, over the years really and I've, I've just you know we've just collected them been given them um, I chaired one of the big photography groups called London Portrait Group for a few years and um, met uh, Bob Carlos Clark and uh, so Bob gave me you know we we paid Bob to talk I think it was about a thousand dollars and he said we well, you know what do you earn out of this and I said well nothing I said I do it we give all the money to charity he said no 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 he says it's not right he says he says why don't you have one of my prints so he gave me one of his prints. So it was Bob Carlos Clark. Wow. Uh, and then you know, Bob said, you know, we should do this more often. You know, we had like a hundred photographers in the room and Bob's given a seminar um, about this sort of style of photography. And uh, Bob uh, said, well, you know, let's do it. Let's do this more often. And I said, well, I don't know anyone. And he said, well, I'll introduce you to a few people. And uh, about, he said, yeah, who do you want to talk and he'd give me a list of his friends and on there was a, a guy called Lord Patrick Litchfield who's a cousin of the Queen and I said I said what about Litchfield and he says yeah he says fine no problem <laughs> and nothing happened for about a month and I phoned Bob up and I said I said was you serious about Litchfield he said yeah yeah he said oh I'm really sorry mate he said give me five minutes and he called me back and he said he said, here's Litchfield's mobile number. He says, give him a call. <laughs> so I've got the Queen's cousin's mobile number. And so I, I give him a call and straight away, you know, 
um, Patrick said, you yeah, know, hi, Mark, how you doing? He says, it's, it's lovely to talk to you. And it was one of those red letter days when I met him. I went to his studio and we sat around and um, just talked photography. And then he took me to his club and it was just one of those sort of fabulous days. Patrick Litchfield never got to talk to London Portrait because unfortunately he had a heart attack and he passed away literally about two weeks before mm. he was going to talk. And Bob phoned me up and just said, what are you going to do? Because Bob was quite a jovial character. And, um, and uh, anyway, Bob introduced me to uh, John Stoddart. Um, and uh, I met John Stoddart and explained to him and John agreed to step in. Um, and John again is a, was a, more of a sort of editorial photographer, um, and he's given me a picture of, of, of um, the Rolling Stones, um, and also of, of the current James Bond. Um, and then John introduced me to John Swanell, um, who's a, a sort of a fashion and nude. He's a fashion photographer, but his passion is doing nudes. So he's the one who did the landscape downstairs yeah. in the kitchen, um, and. John has given me over the years um, four prints. So you know, I've got one. This is his wife, and this is their home in. Wow! Um, so she's sitting on the beach with yeah. this spectacular house behind her. Yeah. Where, where is this? It's somewhere in America, somewhere like LA or something like that, or wow. something. Yeah, but this is, this is their home. Yeah, um, and then you know, this is a, a you know, nude he did, um, and then. Uh, Where's the other one? So this is uh, this is um, my girlfriend wanted this one because um, this is a Duran Duran, which is a, an eighties band. An eighties band, yeah. Um, but yeah, John John photographed them. Um, and there's two there's two images that really stand out to me. I'm not sure why, but these these this beautiful portrait or headshot of this yeah. model. This is amazing. Uh, Who's this? So this come on from you know it's almost you know when I was chairing under portrait group, it was almost like you know you'd, you'd push the flywheel now and you'd been introduced to these high profile photographers all the time. And this is a guy called um, sorry this is uh, yeah this is Barry Latigan. Um, Barry discovered Twiggy. The model, right? Oh, so um, this is Twiggy. Yeah, this is the the, right. the you know her, the iconic picture of Twiggy um, that Barry took in in the sixties, um, and yeah, and Barry did a talk for us, and again, you know, he just said, "Can I give you one of our prints?" Wow! So they're all silver gelatins. Um, this is a another favourite of mine. This is a um, a very famous uh, jazz singer. Um, uh, whose name I've forgotten for a second, uh, but it'll come to me in a second. So this prints by John Swanell as yeah, well. Yeah, John Swanell. He looks American. He's got the big hat. Yeah, big... He, he's not American. He's, he's not. He, no, he's he's very British. Oh really? Um, and it's um, it's called it's George Melly. Right. Um, very very famous uh, um, jazz musician. Oh okay. And I remember I wanted this print from John because. I've, I'm a member at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London and I've seen George Melly perform a few times and you know I, I mean Ronnie Scott's only holds about 150 200 people so it's quite intimate and you know you, so you get to talk sometimes to, to people you know the stars or whatever and I had a conversation with George Melly you know way way back I mean he's going he's no longer with us um and then going going on here, there's, so we've got a print here of, of Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe on the Misfits uh, by Eve Arnold. 
Um, and then uh, probably my, what, two of my other favourite prints are, are by a jazz photographer called Herman Leonard. Um, and I started collecting Herman's, uh, some of his work, um, slightly after buying the, the Bresson. Um, we've got two, one with Dizzy Gillespie in and, and um, another one uh, with uh, Ella Fitzgerald in. But these these are just, uh, as you see, they're just the, the sharpness in them and the detail I mean, is, is phenomenal. Considering they were, you know, they were taken on a five by four camera in a, in a jazz club. Incredible. I mean, can you imagine going in there now with a camera with you've got one shot on the back, and it's this, a huge big camera, and you know, getting these and these these are moments they're, they're not posed at all. Um, so today, you'd, you'd imagine a photographer to shooting, you know, I don't know, twenty frames through a moment and picking mm, the best one. Absolutely. I mean, he he couldn't have done that there. No. I mean, he might have two shots. You know, he might turn the film over, and it might be two. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, we just I mean, I, these are fantastic. Just with these, I mean, do you collect them because you like them? Do you collect yeah. them because they're an investment? No, just I like them. Like them. Yeah. I, don't know, I can see how they've influenced your work and what you Absolutely, do. Absolutely. You know, they are they're prints I like um, because of the form, the shape, and what's going on. I guess the John Swanell ones are a little bit different because he's a personal friend and they, they've been given to me as a gift, so mm. there's that meaning there. Um, but they're prints I've chosen within John Swanell's sort of catalogue. Great. And just, just to finish off, Mark, you, we walked past your... I, I'm going to call it a library. I, mean, I know it's a bookshelf, but it's more than, more than just a bookshelf, isn't it? How many books do you have here on photography? I think it's uh, about 900, I think. <laughs> Um, is there one or two favourites? I mean, I know that's that's a yeah, hard question. Yeah, there is. Um, there is a couple of favourites. Uh, one of them is by one of your your fellow countrymen, uh, Trent Park. Yeah, amazing um, photographer. Yeah, um, I, I, his book Seventh Wave and and, and uh, Dream Life. I've acquired both those when they first come out, um, and then. Um, there's there's two other books in there one of them is a non-photography book that i love because just you know the quality of the paper in there um and then the other one is um, the decisive moment by cartier bresson um and uh, i just uh, this is uh, here <laughs> <laughs> mark's leaning down or he's actually crashing down pulling so, out something so, from underneath everything else yeah, this is an original this is the decisive moment. Yeah. An original. Mm. Wow. Look where it is. Like, it's just sitting underneath a whole lot of other books. <laughs> it's because I've had it out recently, and right. I showed... I think it was showing Paul. Right. Yeah. Because Paul he, Rogers. Yeah. Um, so you can see the difference in the quality of the paper. Yeah. I mean, it's slightly yellowed, isn't it? Yeah. Around the, Is that because of the age, or is that the paper? I think it's the paper, because they've reprinted this book a few years ago, and, and it almost looks identical. Right, it's got that yellow into the paper, but as you can see, it's quite a delicate book. Yes, yeah, um, wow. So um, yeah, that's that's a favourite book, uh, and yeah, there's 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 lots of little favourite books here, but uh, um, they're definitely sort of way up there. Yeah. 
Look, Mark, just to finish off, a massive thanks for having me last Thank night, for having me overnight. Um, you've been a generous and amazing host. It's, um, one thing I didn't mention, which I think would be useful for anyone listening that's thinking about putting together a party like you did, is you really got things going because uh, by by moving and shifting places and encouraging everyone else to yes. repeatedly throughout the night. And that was one of the best things that could have ever mm. happened. Mm. It was really great. No, it just meant everyone spoke to everyone because, you know, with a table of ten people, it's quite often if someone's four positions away from you you can never get to talk to them even though you're around the table and you kind of like i really would know like love to just find out about you or, or yes. understand what you do and um yeah that was really good and i think after talking to you now and getting to know you over the last couple of days it, the, the common thread through your life and and what's led i guess partly to your success is relationships you know, and you're talking about relationships from from 20 years ago that are still mm. affecting you today. Mm. Um, and I guess and you started knowing no one. You talked about knowing no one in the industry, and and look where look where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was it was a different world when I started. You know, there was I never had a computer when I started. Um, you know, 20 or, or 35 years ago, you know, there were no computers around. You know, and there, there were mobile phones were just about starting to come out. So, you know, everything was done manually. You know, we would shoot film. Um, we would design albums out manually. I'd sketch them out, and you'd send the piece of paper to, to the album supplier. Um, and Another <laughs> that's, world. That's how it went, yeah. But, you know, I guess you were forced then to, to build relationships because there was no other way. There was no Facebook, no Instagram. No, you couldn't. No SEO. No. None of that at all. It was relationships. So it was just about building relationship with suppliers and and uh, a network and and meeting people sitting down having a coffee with them and i still think you know there's a big place for that in in today's you know society and, and the way we work you know the great things like facebook are amazing you know, i've met some you know like yourself through the social media um but you know use that social media but bring it back and and still build those relationships yeah, I mean, I think now, having met you face-to-face -face and, and spent the, the day with you chatting and sitting around the dinner table, everything changes. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a lot closer bond now mm. than what it was over mm. Skype. Mm. And uh, totally. it's been amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, mate. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com.